Hi, I'm Han. And I'm Sheree. And you're listening to It Just Got Real. Sheree, what's been real for you this week in business? I know it's been a lot. Well, the first thought I had was that it's always real and that's why we're doing this show. <laughs> but <laughs> sure is. This week, what happened this week? Okay, so as we've been talking about on the show, Tastemakers has been going through some changes as a result mm-hmm. of covid and also just using the time to like take a pause and make sure we are who we are supposed to be for the people that need us. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing the thread and events and I'm like baby Oprah on Instagram live every week. <laughs> so like, which is awesome. The thread is incredible, by the way. If you haven't checked it out yet, you should go. True. You know, we got a new website now, too, so you can like see it at the top. But All of that being said, it's also created like an incredible amount of new work, new questions, new things. And it's still just, you know, same charade. And so I have been doing the thing that all startups are supposed to do right now, which is preserve cash. Mm -hmm. Don't hire anybody. You know, get those expenses down to as low as you can. For sure. And that's the responsible thing to be doing. But I hit a wall. I felt so burnt out by just the mountain of things to do and new inbound and honestly, like, raised expectations from our community that I did nothing. Like, it was probably one of my most unproductive weeks. Really? Yeah, it was. Just because you were so overwhelmed with all of these new work streams? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like, when you pivot your business, your core thesis stays the same, but how you go about it is completely different. And so you have totally new work streams now than you did two months ago. Everything. And so I think even outside of that, it was like people used to say, I want to go to Tastemaker's for travel. Mm -hmm. And that's what I go to them for. But now we've opened up so many conversations. We've really done a good job of sharing how extensive our network and community is, not just in the US, but in Africa and Europe and Brazil. We even had someone like on our intercom chat, literally write, I need to get my family out of America. Please call me with an exclamation point. And we were just like, whoa, this is the levels, which is like, exactly where we wanted to be. But that mountain of things to get done and looking around at the team and realizing that like 85% of it only could get done by me, Hmm. it paralyzed me. And I was like, I can't do this all. And I realized that although I have such an amazing group of investors and our board is kick-ass, I was probably going to have to make a decision that wasn't in alignment with what we all agreed on, which was don't hire. Right. And so this week, the moment it got real was when I said to myself, you know what, Sheree, you are not going to grow this business if you keep running this play. Yep. You have to hire people. That makes sense. You have to do it smart. Like, we're not going to be, like, making it rain on the hires, but... You thinking you are Hercules and allowing your investors and board members live in a world where that's a thing, like, is going to hurt everybody. And so you're going to have to make a different decision and you're going to have to defend it. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot because I don't want to run out of money. I don't want to 
do the wrong thing, but I also don't want to like die a slow death as a company. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the moment. That's when it got real. That is such a moment. And I can, I can empathize with that moment so much. I actually had a similar-ish conversation with one of our investors this week as well when I was talking about what our burn should look like. That's the amount of money we spend monthly in, in startup language for those of you listening over the next year. And um, I want to be spending more money in 12 months than I am right now because like, as he put it, like you can't starve your way to success. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is one of those moments as a founder where at the end of the day, you're the person that knows your business best. Yeah. Only you are able to make those kinds of calls. And I think you're right to do that. I mean. But it is complicated. I mean, so there are a couple things that I've been thinking about. So one was just kind of like, what are the metrics to get to series A mm-hmm. or a seed extension? And what are the scenarios that I need to be thinking about? But then I started thinking, and this is kind of where Like one of the interesting things about, you know, the moment we're in with our post George Floyd moment is beyond police brutality and institutional racism within law enforcement. We're thinking about institutional racism in all these different ways. Mm -hmm. And the tech and investor community has been having a lot of conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I had this moment where I was like, maybe I should be raising money right now. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh my God. I was like, sure, this is probably problematic. Like you probably shouldn't be thinking this. But then I was like, but why not? <laughs> like, and I was having this whole thing. I mean. Because the reality is. You got to take advantage of whatever you get in life. It was life. definitely a thought. And then I was like, okay, okay, like reel it in. The reason it popped up to me was like, I was like, we just pivoted our business, right? We're in the middle of the pivot. Mm-hmm. We have some traction on it, meaning we did a thing that we had never done before. And over the course of 90 days, 6,000 people took advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Some of them bought tickets. Some of them bought into a membership. Some of them are now into a Slack group. Amazing. And so in some ways, it's like lightning in a bottle. And I thought, if I were not a Black female founder, maybe I would have just raised money in the middle of that, right. like right away. Like maybe I wouldn't have been as cautious. Maybe I would. And it's funny. I was thinking about one of our investors told me to do that. Yeah, I remember He was that. like, I think you should raise a seed extension right now. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're doing with the threat is enough. And then another one of our investors was like, you know how hard it is to raise as a black woman. And I don't know if that distraction is what you need right now. Mm. And in many ways, I went with the latter. Really? I was like, true, fundraising is trash. Like, it is so much. And I'm who I am. And it's hard. That is true. (laughs) And it's going to be a distraction. And I don't even have enough people on my team to do this thing. And now, honestly, I wish I would have took the advice of the first investor. Went after it. Went super hard. Figured it out. Because I had a fire. I knew we had a thing. I knew we had... 2,000 people showing up every month. I knew our socials, which is one of our biggest inbounds, was like popping. And I felt like, in retrospect, I felt like I played it safe. I played into the idea that it's going to be hard for me to do it. And I didn't do it. If I was unsuccessful, I didn't lose anything. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, damn it, I might have missed a moment. And these are the kind of things that are at play when they're like, their institutionalized racism isn't just about like 
the person's practices, but it's about like how all of that is shaping an ecosystem. Because if I felt more confident and I wasn't thinking about how hard it is for me to raise, I probably would have said, you know what? I just did something super popping as a travel business, like unbelievable that we were able to do it. And that it's like- It is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. like- if I were somebody else, I probably would have taken that and said, this is happening. I'm pivoting my business. This is where I think it's going to go. Please, we just need a solid 500K so I can bring on the people that are required to get this done. Instead, I did with a lot of Black founders do is I was like, I can figure it out. I can make it work. Yep. I'm just going to, you know, wear 87 hats to get it done. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And now I feel super burnt out. And now I have to make a decision that is going to like clip off some months of runway. And so it's the not obvious, these like micro moments that happen, you know, that you have to like work through. I totally know. I mean, you just said a lot and I kind of want to unpack it a bit. And first of all, say like, I totally know what you're talking about because I think that happens to all sorts of people. Like I've definitely felt it before where people have said to me like, oh, this is going to be so hard. Like, are you sure you want to do that? Or like, this is going to be really difficult. And like, I let them talk me out of my own ambition. Mm. And I'm sure that happens to you even more so. And Mm -hmm. it's really messed up because you're right. Probably like if, you know, some straight white dude had a pivot like you did. (laughs) You'd be out there raising money right now. And the second thing I wanted to say to unpack this a bit, like, is there anything preventing you from doing it now? Because what I've seen over the course of two months is not only have you made a pivot happen, but also you have you have a lot of clarity about what you're delivering to these people now. Mm-hmm. You have conviction in a way that you didn't have like two months ago when this was still an experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you know so much more about what you can offer, what you can charge, what kind of community you can build. That to me is kind of like the ingredients to go back out and raise. So is there anything from stopping you from doing it right now? It's funny. I think I've just been thinking like, I want to fundraise when I've got blow your mind numbers. Like I want to be able to say, you know, we got a thousand people to sign up in the first week of release. Like I want to be able to sell that story. Yeah. And I don't feel like I have that story yet. Again, like, I don't know if I need that story, but in my brain I do. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what's like holding me back. But I do think I'm going to try and revisit it because I mean, I need to make the hires, right? Like, so I'm going to have to have that conversation. I would prefer not to have to clip our runway in order to make them. Yeah. But I also know that what we're building and what we're trying to do requires us not to half-ass it. Mm -hmm. Knowing that, I know what I need to do. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to talk about this, but maybe I will. So I got to tell you something that's funny, maybe like is a bit of a record scratch moment, but is totally related to what you're talking about, which is this week I got forwarded an email and it was about a new startup and, uh, you know, these things happen. I won't say who forwarded it, but uh, the email was hilarious. And I'm going to read part of it to you because it was just like, it was ridiculous. Like they're basically saying like, oh, we launched with a test group of 30 students a few weeks ago. And after iterating on tests with over 16,000 users without any marketing, blah, blah, blah. Like these are the stats that we have. And the whole email is like so confident and has so much bravado and is just like game changing. Like, this is what we're doing. We have people that are using this like never before is actually like words used. (laughs) And we need to move fast to capture this demand. And I'm just like, 
who are these people? Like, mm. this is really fascinating because, like, I remember when we were in closed alpha and I was running a test. I was not writing emails like this. I was like, we're running some tests. Things are going well. We've learned a mm. lot. We're measuring the results. Like, these are some things that have been really positive. These things haven't been. Here's what we're going to do next to iterate on them. Like, worlds, worlds different. I get down to the bottom of the email. Mm -hmm. So-and-so and I are graduating from MIT and Harvard in four weeks. We want to hit the ground running. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Thanks a lot. And I'm just like, God ooh, damn. Child. If I had half the confidence of, those do of this yeah. kid who hasn't even graduated from college yet, mm. maybe I could have raised like twice as much money. Like I literally sat down with this email and studied it. I was like, this is the best gift that anybody mm. has given me all week because it was like an inside peek into how men talk about their companies. And I'm gonna write all my emails like this going forward. Like, fuck that shit. I heard that. This is what works. I actually had a conversation with the investor afterwards who forwarded to me and I was like, damn, I gotta learn to write like a Harvard grad. This is hilarious. And he says, for real, it worked somehow. Dead ass. So it's funny, even when people are like, I'm down to help you, I've been trying to do a better job at like, actually saying some shit mm. because I had a call with a person who's like, I guess we're in like maybe mentor dating kind of like trying to figure out if that's the relationship. Right. But we were talking and he was like, well, how can I help? And I was just like, um, part of it was like, I don't really know your whole story that well to know what to ask you for. Like, I'm just getting to know you. Right. And part of it was like, admittedly, I just don't think I'm good at that. And you know what he said? He was like, this probably sounds horrible, but women in general don't do well at this. As though like women don't know how to ask for help? Yeah, like how to like huh. be specific and ask for what we want and not like him and haw about it. Because mm. I think like, I think I, right? So I'll speak for myself. Part of it is like, what is the process for quickly assessing in a relationship you haven't built for a long time? what are the things someone else can do that are helpful to you? So that's like one skill set. And I think the other piece for me is like, if I don't know you that well, like, how can I say like, actually, you know, all the celebrities and I need them to do like experiences on my platform. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even know you that well. How can I be asking you that? Right. But I think his point was like, dudes will just ask. Yeah, they will. So I took that on. I was like, mm, I probably need to work on that. So what I did was... <laughs> I read a Harvard uh, HBR uh, case study on him and I read through it and then I just sent him a follow up like, boom, this question, boom, I need this thing. Can you do this? And it was a little bit scary, but mm. it felt good. <laughs> <laughs> did he reply? He did. And he's doing some of those things. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. There you go. With every day, I feel like every day is just a challenge to be more like men. I mean, yeah, they ask for all sorts of shit. Think about like what they ask you for like when they haven't even met you on some dating app. Imagine what they ask for in business. Facts. Facts, facts, <laughs> facts, facts. So many facts. But it just also sucks. Like, why does it have to be like, be more like a dude? I know. I'm going to say, I'm not trying to be more like a dude. I'm just trying to be my inside self outside more. Because mm -hmm. I know I want these things. I just yeah, don't ask for them. Because I think like, oh, girl, that's mm, that's too much. Yeah. Actually, I'm just going to be the team too much version of Sheree. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think like team too much version of Sheree, I think you should seriously consider raising this round. I mean, I know you want to have these like amazing numbers, but I do. 
also like you're trying to do a lot like you're trying to pivot your business and get to those amazing numbers all on what you raised your last round about yeah maybe there is something here to imagine a world where you raise on a new promise because you're already doing it it's true anyway all right something to think about enough about that (laughs) (laughs) enough is enough go raise the money girl thinking about fundraising too much stresses me out (laughs) i'm in it right now i'm like too much (laughs) then all of our episodes will be about how stressed we are fundraising so at least right now i'm providing balance (laughs) all right what were your record scratch moments this week (laughs) So speaking of fundraising, I'll tell you something funny. So this week I ended up pitching a media, like a media executive, which is not something I normally do. It was pretty random. He reached out on LinkedIn, which is not something I normally reply to, but like I noticed that he knew my old boss. And so I was like, this actually seems cool. Um, It was a great meeting. It was like really great to meet him and stuff. But I had this funny moment afterwards where I was like about to follow up like right away because like that's what I've been trained to do, (laughs) which is like in tech, you have to follow up like immediately and like the faster you can do it the more people think you're competent as a woman it's like this really frustrating thing but like fast Mm follow-ups I almost never let them go more than 24 hours if I don't follow up in 24 hours like something serious is going on in my life or there's something there's a reason Mm -hmm. but I stop myself because I know also from working in big media companies the media people aren't like that and they don't like it they like don't like it when you're like too on the ball it like freaks them out a little bit like I remember once (laughs) don't be pressed (laughs) I was in this meeting (laughs) with this media executive and he like told me to stop taking notes in the middle of it because it was freaking him out he was like don't write down everything I say and I was like Uh, well, first of all, I'm not, but number two, like there's a lot of things in that statement, but anyway, you must think highly of yourself. (laughs) But it was like freaking him out that I had like a pen out in a meeting because like media people don't do that. They just like sit around in boardrooms and like talk to each other about random stuff. And then like whoever talks the loudest gets to do the project and someone tells someone else like stabs them in the back. Like that's basically how corporate media works from what I can see. And so (laughs) I didn't. Sorry, media people listening. We still want you to write about Got Real Pot. Just saying. I mean, survival skills, right? Like I worked there because I enjoyed it. But like this, it's just super different than tech. Right. Um, And so I stopped myself and I was like, actually, no, I'm going to set myself a reminder to follow up in like 48 hours because that is more appropriate. That's like the pace of what you should do here. Mm. And I tweeted some like hot take about it afterwards and people thought it was funny and liked it too much. (laughs) And it was kind of like, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but whatever. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Tech people follow up immediately. Media people follow up like two days later. Noted. Noted. (laughs) Pre-running tastemakers. I lived in the NGO nonprofit world, which means like totally follow up in two weeks. Oh, two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Like no sense of urgency. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Speaking of media, I did something else that was kind of a record scratch this week. So I'm going to read you something. This is the first time I've actually done this. But this morning I was like, for the first time all week, having one of those like nice, quiet... I'm going to eat breakfast and like have my coffee and read the newspaper kind of Sunday morning type situation, right? Like, look at me. A whole adult. I'm like reading the New York (laughs) Times. I like flip over to the LA Times because I'm curious about like what's going on in that paper. And oh, geez, there's this journalist that's written this article about New York in the LA Times. I'm like, okay, this is going to be funny. I need to tap on this and see what it's all about because it's hilarious when like LA writes about New York and vice versa because they just hate each other so much. Facts. But in this article, I find this thing that really bothers me, which is an incorrect fact about what is happening in New York right now. This journalist writes, 
In neighborhoods where Black Lives Matter protests have been occurring daily, stores remain boarded up to protect from break-ins. Mm. Ooh-wee. The lies. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. So first of all, stores are shut because reopening has not happened for their phase. That's what is actually going on. Because Corona is still real despite what Florida thinks. Yes. And <laughs> despite what California thinks as well, because like they're <laughs> right. not doing so great right now. You seen those stats? Mm-hmm. A mess. So <laughs> New York is like doing the responsible thing. Like this week they did phase one reopening, which was like only the most essential workers, like regular stores and mm-hmm. hair salons and all that's so, like totally still closed. But the other thing that really bothered me about this is that she was painting this not only incorrect picture, but also saying something that kind of sounded these stores were scared or like racist, which is really fucked up because mm. I'm in bed right now. I'm in Brooklyn mm-hmm. where the protests are happening. And it's the opposite. Like many stores, even if they're closed, have gone in and put supportive signs in their windows to support what is happening mm. right now. Like so, Black Lives Matter sticker in the window. Yeah, like a huge one. Like not a sticker, like a giant ass sign in the window. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Karen in LA. <laughs> Meanwhile. So anyway, I was like pissed off. And I so I tweeted at her and like told her to fix it because it just made me so angry that it was so okay, misrepresented. Man. It's the first time I've ever done that. That was a moment. I like it. I like it. Speaking of Karen's getting it wrong, <laughs> did you... <laughs> We're going to talk about that, too. I got to say, she looks a little bit like a Karen from her picture. She did. (laughs) Then we need to talk about that name. (laughs) So the other crazy record scratch moment was the woman and her husband who were telling the guy that, like, he was defacing private property. Oh, my God. The sign? Oh, my God. Yes. I can't In front of his own house. On his own property. And it was a nice sign. It was, like... It was artsy and cute. Really beautifully done. It was artistic. The part that took me over, and I feel like I've been in this moment, was when he he was, like... Oh, well, you know, do you know the owner? And she was like, yeah, we definitely know the owner. That's why we're telling you not to do this. And he (laughs) was the owner. And I was like, the level of lie that you're willing to go to to preserve your racism. Like, what's wrong with you? And then the way they wouldn't say their last names because they knew they were wrong. They did. Like, they lied so hard. They lied themselves into a hole. And then at the end, they were like, oh, shit actually we really fucked up like you could tell it they knew they had that they face. knew they knew it was like the face of a cat when it tries to jump and it like misses and it's got that yes. look on its face like oh yes. i fucked up so hard <laughs> oh my gosh also the president effed up again oh. per normal this week i mean he f's up like every week right yes but like the whole i'm gonna hold my first rally where all of the races come on, on Juneteenth, June in Tulsa, where a whole massacre of Black people happened. I was just like... There's so many levels of wrong. I kind of wonder how he got it so wrong. I think he got it intentionally wrong. Like, I am You not- think he did that on purpose? Yes! Damn. People like to make Trump out to be dumb. Mm. He's not dumb. No. He just plays dumb on TV. Like, he <laughs> just... He pretends to feign ignorance. He knows exactly what he was doing. He knew it when he was doing the birther thing with President Obama, Mm. the only president I recognized. So he did it to stir the pot intentionally. Stir the pot. He was letting his base know, hey, y'all, I'm still racist. Right with y'all. And I don't give a shit about this thing. Exactly. And they tried to say, (sighs) when they decided to move it to the next day, still in Tulsa, Mm -hmm. still on Juneteenth weekend. And if you know Black people, you know a holiday is not going to be one day. It's the whole Mm -mm. weekend. But (laughs) he 
he basically moved it a day and tried to be like, yeah, I think his press secretary was like, we knew some people were going to be offended, but we didn't think it was going to be that many people. And I was just like, this is also horrible. And then on top, the truth of the matter is, I think the real reason Hmm. he moved it is because black people decided we were actually going to colonize his rally. Like, yes. We so I saw that it. happening like, on social media of like everybody screenshotting, signing up for their tickets. So he's got like an empty ass rally. I think that's why. But it's all right, though, because I have my own Juneteenth, you know, celebration planned here. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? I'm doing a Juneteenth boat party. A boat party? A social distance one with just like. That sounds amazing. Four people. Wait, what kind of boat? Well, I'm renting like a, you know, like a little like a little cruiser boat nice. and we're just gonna have like a some red black and green decorations on it and it's gonna be like being free and celebrating like that that sounds amazing that's what i'm doing that's so wonderful oh that sounds so great yeah i mean plus like all these like media streaming companies are having their black lives matter playlist like netflix has one amazon has one mm-hmm. Apple, like everybody has it. So just like all the entertaining is like super easy now because I can just put on one of those playlists and it'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so great. Oh, I hope you have fun. All right. What else besides my Juneteenth both party? Like what are your non-work culture, music, art stuff that you are jamming to? So, well, speaking of Juneteenth and culture, I actually... um, I started reading Beloved for the first time. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get to that book. But wow, what a book that is. I figured it was good timing to read that book right now. No, Beloved is is deep. It's one of my favorite books of all time, actually. Really? Like, I love that book. Like, it is... Next episode, we'll have to actually talk about, like, your processing of Beloved. But Mm. it's one of my favorite books ever, 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 ever. It's an interesting read because it's, like, it took me, like, a hot minute to get into it as well because the way it's written, like, Mm. Mm -hmm. unfolds the facts as you go. So you have to kind of, like, hold a lot of, like, um, patience for, like, but you're also, like, curious to find out, like, what is going on with all these characters. Yeah. Um, It really drew me in, like, fast. Like, I can see why she won a Nobel Prize for literature with that book. Well, what's interesting about Toni Morrison, and it'll be interesting for you to kind of think about this as you read it, one of the reasons her storytelling approach is that way is because it's in some ways like very traditional in the Black tradition, like even going all the way back to like griots on the African continent. Like Mm. the way of storytelling is not linear. Mm. The way people speak is not linear. I was on this, um, my friend Swati did this prayer and reconciliation uh, circle yesterday. And um, there was this woman from Jamaica talking about, like, if you ask a person, like, in Haiti or in even Ghana, like, how are you? Like, you need to be prepared to, like, create space to sit and listen Mm -hmm. because the way people speak and tell their story is not in the way we do, like, in the West. Like, it's not this, like, super direct thing. Mm -hmm. So I think Toni Morrison was kind of, like, in all of her writing, not even just Beloved, I think she employs sort of Black traditional storytelling in the way she writes hmm, um, for a lot of the stories. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting well, to think about Well, thank you for sharing that. that with me. Yeah. It's definitely going to give me new perspective as I 
read the next chapters when I get on a plane later today. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. Mm. It'll be good. What else? What else? What else? What else? What else is going on? What else is going on in culture? Well, I got to say, complete departure, but the Snap Partner Summit that happened on Tuesday this week, Mm. that blew me away. I think it's like still up on their website if you just go to Snapchat.com. So if anyone hasn't seen it, like check it out. It's like short 57 minutes, but like... It was so good. Like the content was really good. Some of the integrations that are happening are fascinating, like putting headspace inside Snap. Like, damn, first time I've seen like a social app try to do anything for mental health. Like, that's Mm, cool. mm. The Snap minis, like I'm really excited about all of the third party stuff that they're offering. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're already like doing a lot with the Snap API at Trash, so I'm I'm excited to do even more with it. But um, the other thing about it was just like the level of production was like, it came close to like giving an Apple like a run for their money with like mm. WWDC. I'm really curious to see how that is going to turn out because that's happening not this week, next week on the 22nd. Okay. So we'll see how that compares. But it was, it was good and really culturally relevant. I'm impressed. I saw people tweeting about it. Like I, I, I saw some meme that was like Mark Zuckerberg looking at the Snap Partner Summit. Like, like it was. I saw like a lot of memes like that. Oh yeah, Mark Zuckerberg was definitely not having a good day. <laughs> well, you know, that's fine. That's fine for him. That's fine for him. It's all right. I mean, yeah. he's having a good life, so a couple of good days aren't gonna hurt him. Um, or a couple of bad days, yeah. I should say, aren't going to hurt him. I've also been using Snap a lot more recently. Like, I've felt like it's a place where I can kind of, like, the last place on social media where I can be myself. Hmm. Like, it's almost like my Finsta. Uh, like, I definitely <laughs> treat it that way. In the sense that I will put stuff on Snap that I'm not going to put anywhere else. I'm still not <laughs> over, like, the idea of a Finsta is still hilarious to me. Like, it is, I just think, I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, you need it. Like, there's so many things that I just don't want to share with everybody. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Something we should share with everybody is that Chloe and Hallie's new album slaps like it is everything. And I had like... I can't wait to listen you to have it. To. When I saw Beyonce put it on her Instagram, I was like, okay, this is real. Well, you know what's funny? I actually had the opposite effect. In my brain, I've not seen the like hmm. super mega star who identifies, you know, someone younger and up and coming work well like look at Kanye West and good music where are the good music artists like I was so excited for artists to get signed by Kanye West because he's a producer and he's phenomenal musically we know he's still problematic and Mm -hmm. he's still not invited to the cookout but still like I thought (laughs) (laughs) at least he's not tweeting this week (laughs) I'm I'm so happy that somebody I'm so happy he's not tweeting right now like whoever his PR is publicist they're just doing a great job it might have even been Kim that was just like look bruh like let me just not right now (laughs) 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 so I kind of like didn't really think about them because I was like "Mm, I don't know and I heard one of those songs. Now it's in like my morning run rotation and they are bops. Like do it is a bop. Like if I'm tired on my run and I put on do it, like I'm like run dancing in my little subdivision, like all at the same time, <laughs> like getting the heart rate up. Like Chloe Howe's new album is everything and everybody should listen to it. They are, I think, long run artists like and they're beautiful and cute and 
it's just perfect. Like their their new album is everything, and I'm very very happy for them. I'm excited to listen to it. Yeah, I've got it downloaded to listen to later today. When you go back to LA, yeah, on my way back to LA, I can't believe it's happening finally. That's a whole other podcast, mm-hmm. like a whole other podcast. Not even show. what has happened to me over the not last even month. episode. It's like and now <laughs> as Hannah's world like, turns. Oh my god, <laughs> I've been in New York for a month dealing with this. Uh, oh, life, life is so hard. But I know everybody's like dealing with like some level of like crap right now because of COVID. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of music, so I listened to a new podcast this week that I thought was really good. It's called Serial Sounds and it's by um, this DJ Free out of LA. And it's just like a really good music radio show, like just good music, like short, like this is who it is, who wrote this piece. Um, not a lot of talking, but then also like some good, like meaty interview moments. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what kind of music is it? It was like, um, R and B hip hop, like some more experimental stuff, some like electronic things. Okay. Um, but I'd say like definitely kind of stayed around that sort of like future mm. R and B zone. Okay. You know what I like mean? All R and B vibes. Yeah. Like all R and B vibes, <laughs> like post Frank Ocean zone. <laughs> When it became That's future R&B. Like R&B before <laughs> and after Frank Ocean. This actually, okay, I wasn't planning on talk about this, but you want to know something funny? What? I just watched The Voice for the first time ever, like yesterday. Okay. And I love it. It's so corny, <laughs> but I love it. I think I probably watched like 10 episodes, like OD. Like it's a thing. So <laughs> it's not the coolest thing I've ever done, but I liked it. And okay. I don't really care I might have to cool. check that out too. You have to. It's kind of good. Like it's, it's. All of it is ridiculous, and it's the best kind of ridiculousness on television. Nice. And, like, Nick Jonas is now a judge, and it's, like, a whole thing. So it's not my, like, cool underground thing. It's, like, the thing that everybody in middle America is doing. But I don't care. I'm doing it, too, because it's You good. know, it's good to have a little bit of everything. You do. You can't just be one lane and one note. You mm-hmm. got you to gotta diversify. For gotta sure. diversify. Well, I think that's a wrap. I think so. I think we've talked about all the things. Um, you have a flight to catch. It's true. I've got some sun to sit in outside and enjoy my, maybe I'll Instagram my new, my fresh painted nails. What color are they? I did for the first time. It's like a cantaloupe color. Oh, nice. It's super cute. I'm going to, I'm going to take a picture and maybe it I'll post it really to our cute. stories. I hate the taste of cantaloupe, but I love the look of it. <laughs> All right, y'all, we're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> This is, it's just got real. You can find us on all the places, you know, Spotify, Apple, but the link is in our bio, um, Twitter and Instagram, Got Real Pod. We'll be back next Thursday talking about more moments, sharing more record scratches, sharing that we're whole people. And please share feedback or let us know if there's something that you want to talk about because we're still learning how to do this. So we'd love to know what you think. All right. Ciao.